We're back again, Rogue Table Talks number 81. Uh, 81, that's the year I graduated from high school. All right. Going to be fun in 81. That's what we said back then because we were <laughs> super clever. Was it fun in 81? Eh, it was fine. And then uh, Celebrate Good Times by Cool and the Gang was mm-hmm. classic. That song. <laughs> I mean, that it sounds like it's hard to go wrong graduating <laughs> right. in 81. And it was the 80s, you know, the beginning of the 80s. Yeah, yeah. That's a... Uh, it was, yeah. yeah. Pretty sweet time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, yes. Yeah, that's almost 40 years ago. Mm-hmm. It's crazy. Crazy. But here we are. Rogue Table Talks number 81. Uh, and, uh, thought we might talk a little bit about the whole pandemic. Um, you know about that, right? The pandemic. I've heard, I've heard a little bit. Yeah. So it's a pandemic. Yeah. Not a, uh, not a scholar. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And it's, uh, it's a little crazy. Um, and it's getting sort of crazier. Uh, um, What's it like there? Is it crazy? Um, I think we're a little sheltered. I mean, even though the cases are still high, I don't know if they're necessarily on the rise peaking, but we're a little sheltered in the sense of it's more smaller town feel around here. Lexington. Mm-hmm. And we're, we're 30 minutes away from the city of Columbia, which is not a really big city anyways. Um, but you, you go to uh, all restaurants, almost all restaurants, and whatnots are open. You go to, you wear your mask inside, then you take it off after you sit down and you can still move around pretty, pretty easily. Sort of half normal, sort of half half normal. The grocery stores, you know, they, it says required masks, but I've seen people without masks and they don't say anything. So it's, it's, Mm -hmm. it's, it's kind of strongly suggested, Mm -hmm. but, Mm -hmm. but on the other hand, I do see a lot of uh, uh, explicit, uh, statements is that the bumper stickers or memes uh, around the mask with a lot of like ex- uh, expletives like this is such a strong thing like do this put your blah 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 mask on or else type of thing so I see that occasionally <laughs> mm. yeah it's a weird times that we live in uh, it's definitely a, it's an interesting thing to divide over I do think all of these divisions were sort of there hidden and uh, and this has revealed the whole pandemic has revealed something about us or some people or us as a culture or us as church or or whatever. Um, I wonder too, like so Thanksgiving obviously is coming up, and people are struggling with how big of a gap I mean we are, how big of a gathering mm-hmm. you know, and uh, we were gonna travel. That was the original plan. And that's kind of off the table. Um, we're thinking about going to Southern California. That was the plan last year to go this year to Southern California and kind of have another mini reunion. Uh, and, you know, uh, nobody wants to do that. Uh, I think, and that's sort of, I think people are just kind of getting tired of it on the one hand. Mm-hmm. Uh, and on the other hand here, the hospitals are pretty full. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's like people are getting a little more serious about it and some schools are going back at least maybe to the end of the year to all virtual. Um, and uh, yeah, it's, I think people, 
And then you hear about the vaccines coming out perhaps. And everyone's just like, I just want this whole thing to be over. It's just mm-hmm. relentless mm-hmm. kind of, uh, I mean, a lot of people are like that. Some people probably are just ignoring it and, and, and doing whatever. Um, so I don't know if it almost feels like a metaphor for life, you know, for, you know, that life is just kind of, kind of relentless and, and you kind of need a, a break, a break from the relentlessness of life, uh, the pressures of life, the worries of life, so on, um, which is difficult now. Because most people haven't taken a vaca- the vacation they would have taken if they're taking vacations. A lot of people are, you know, at home together all the time or whatever. And I uh, just, there's a lot of tenseness, I think, uh, that I'm, that I experience. Um, we haven't, you know, we had our staff, all staff meeting here yesterday. And I think less than half the people were there physically and the rest were dialed in and it's just like, uh, it's another one of these. It just gets old. Right. Um, and I think one of the things that, I mean, it it occurs to me because it's partly coming from this passage uh, I'm going to look at, but you know, that maybe that illustrates something about life and Sabbath that, you know, life without some sort of Sabbath rhythm is becomes relentless, you know, becomes grating, becomes, um, you know, almost forget like what you're really supposed to be about or supposed to be doing or whatever. Um, and I don't know if that's a, if that's a, a good illustration or not, but it feels like we all kind of need a Sabbath and it's hard to get one. Yeah. Um, it's hard. It's hard to make one because we can't really escape the relentlessness of, of all of this. I don't know. I don't know what you think of that illustration or metaphor. Yeah. I, I mean, it almost feels like, and I'm not saying this about, you know, government necessarily, but um, because of the pandemic, we've had certain freedoms slash choices that we don't have anymore uh, at this time. And so you feel a constant labor. It's a constant awareness, a constant mental uh, alertness of navigating in the pandemic when it's just not where we we are normally. So it does, does seem like there's no, it's relentless. There's no rest. And I think that's probably what people are saying. Um, we just want rest. We'd love mm-hmm. to be able to rest. It, it feels like we're always on in different ways. Now the kids are going to go back to school four days. Now they're not going to go back to school. Now we have to virtual school for now this. Now it's just, then they're going to close restaurants for three weeks. So they're not, you know, you can't travel. You can. It's just, it's it's a lot. It really is to have to, to add another layer of mental stress to that. Yeah. Yeah. And I just think a lot of the time our life is some picture of that. And it's hard for us to um, get away from it. And I, um, it's, uh, I think, you know, for for me, the whole sort of, you know, what, what's the point of all of this? Um, And right now, I think the point of all of this is, it feels like the point of all of this is just to get through this pandemic. Mm -hmm. 
just get through the season. Uh, and then that's sort of like, then the season stretches on another month and another month and another month. And the point of getting through the pandemic is not like strong enough to right bear the load of living for that long. If it's a month or if it's two, whatever. Uh, but you know, it's going to stretch into a year. Uh, and it's like, we're not, that's not good for us to sort of have the point of just making it through this pandemic is not a good enough point. <laughs> it's not a good enough center, uh, of our life. Um, and again, I think that's sort of maybe if, if in a rhythm of Sabbath, in a rhythm, other spiritual rhythms as well, it seems like what that should do, one of the things that should do for us is to reconnect us to the point, whatever the point is. Like, why are we here? Um, and, you know, you see that in, in, you know, the descriptions of the Sabbath, you know, remember, uh, Sabbath day is for remember that, you know, six days of creation, one day of rest, remember that your salvation and rescue from Egypt, right? Remember who you are, what story you're really in, uh, that it's rest sort of in that, in that sense, it's a reconnection to this, this story that we're actually in. Um, and I think we, I think we need that. And I think we probably don't do it enough. And then we sort of run the risk of missing the point or forgetting the point. Right. Yeah. Uh, and oddly being religious may not help you that much. So say, say more. Well, I mean, I think your religious, um, you know, the, the, the relentlessness of your, you know, religious beliefs, you know, may help you miss the point. Mm -hmm. Um, and like if, if, if it's about keeping the rules and doing the right thing and that becomes, you know, this relentless sort of, um, religion, then, um, you almost need a break from that or, or you, you need a way to reconnect to what, what, why am I doing all this in the, in the first place? Like, what is the point? Uh, what's supposed to happen? Um, I don't know. I'm sort of wandering around that point, but I do feel like there's, you can go to church for every week for a long time and sort of miss the point. Yeah. Uh, you can go to church for every week for a long time uh, and really you're there because you like the worship or you like the speaker uh, or you like to complain about the worship or you like to complain about the speaker or whatever it is. It's some sort of transaction that pleases you uh, or the, the not pleasing of it, you know, lets you pleases you in a different way because you get to complain about it or something. Um and then, but you're, that's not really, that's not, that's missing the point. And it's sort of reinforcing the missing of the point. Uh, so I don't know. That's kind of why I feel like the Pharisees are an example of that to us, of people who are super religious and who missed the point. Um, have you ever been in that? I think I've been in that season. I think, you know, working in a church doesn't really necessarily insulate you from that at all. No, not at all. Not at all. 
Uh, in fact, I think it's like it's Rohr who talks about it's it's it can be all the more difficult if you're in the business of professional, so to speak, religion. That uh, and, and and maybe that was partially the Pharisees in a professional religion. It's it's easy uh, to get lost. Um, yeah, I think I you know I was praying the other morning and I just thought to myself wow, I haven't prayed like this in months. And it was like I was actually, there was like a substance in the prayer and it was connecting Mm -hmm. to, you know, talking with God as if he were there. And it just felt fresh and new. And I thought, wow, I didn't realize I I got lost. Mm. But yeah, I think it's really easy. And and I don't, you know, condemn anybody for getting lost because you realize how quickly you get lost and I get lost. And it's easy to, to... to forget. I think that's another way to say it. It's easy to forget. Yeah. I think that's right. I think we all get lost in certain times in certain ways. And, you know, maybe part of the point of the rhythm is maybe not every time you're practicing the rhythm, but every once in a while you'll actually remember, you'll actually reconnect to the point. Um, and that's sort of, you know, like we have to manage our way through the pandemic. It feels like if we have to manage our way through our, our Christianity, uh, then we're going to be we're going to very quickly miss the point. Mm-hmm. Um, this passage that is uh, in Matthew twelve, um, it s- seems to say that to me to some degree. Matthew twelve, starting in verse nine, uh, going on from that place, he went into their synagogue, and a man with a shriveled hand was there, looking for a reason to bring charges against Jesus. They asked him, "Is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath?" He said to them, if any of you has a sheep and it falls into a a pit on the Sabbath, will you not take hold of it and lift it out? How much more valuable is a person than a sheep? Therefore, it is lawful to do good on the Sabbath. Then he said to the man, stretch out your hand. So he stretched it out and it was completely restored, just as sound as the other. But the Pharisees went out and plotted how they might kill Jesus. Uh, So it seems like that you couldn't heal somebody on the Sabbath is an illustration of missing the point. And what I understand about some of those Sabbath rules that they had would be like, you can save somebody's life. You know, like if somebody was going to bleed out, you can put a tourniquet on them. That didn't Mm -hmm. break the Sabbath rules. But if somebody like broke their leg, you had to wait till the next day to set Mm -hmm. it because Mm -hmm. they weren't going to (laughs) die, which is, (laughs) which is completely ridiculous i wouldn't go anywhere on the sabbath (laughs) yeah i mean it 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 seems like okay i think at some point we've missed the point here Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you can't actually love be loving and helpful and healing towards somebody because that will break the rules of the sabbath yeah um and, and, you know, you've, you've, yeah, you've forgotten something important along the way in the process of really aggressively practicing, you know, your religion. And so, um, yeah, I think it's, and that's maybe, I don't know what the parallel for us is, but there's a certain sort of religious, um, religious unrighteousness, religious selfishness, religious 
uh, I don't know, narcissism, maybe? Is that too strong a word? That probably mostly gets gets played out more on the Sabbath than any other day. Um, and I think that's the case here where the Pharisees are, you know, they sort of have a false righteousness, a works righteousness, and the pinnacle of their works righteousness, their false righteousness, is the Sabbath. I mean, that's sort of like, you know, the the the, the pinnacle, the you know, the, the mountaintop of their false righteousness happens, uh, and here they are, sort of crowding around Jesus. Well, his hands, look at his hand. What are you going to do? You know. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know. I mean, it's 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 the, the questions is the you know, exposing of them is the wrong starting point. Is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath? Um, kind of shows uh, how far off the path uh, the thought process is. Uh, because the, it seems like the obvious answer should be, of course, it's lawful to heal on the Sabbath. Of course, it's lawful to take care of someone uh, or to show compassion on someone. Uh, or someone who's sick, or like a sheep falls into a pit. But I think the the question reveals how far off the path of what the point is. And 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 I would say, you know, this may be tangential, but this is uh, all the rules about Sabbath were legalistic, and I think legalism, uh, the root of legalism, is fear. And the Pharisees were afraid that. The Romans were going to come take their religion and temple away. They said that at some point in time. Uh, they were afraid Jesus is threatening probably their own view of uh, kind of classism. They were better than other people because they could keep the rules or, you know, had been chosen to be, you know, uh, in the court system. So they're also political. The Pharisees and the Sadducees, they're also, there's a, there's a religious political power here. And maybe it, Jesus is undermining that and it's, it's threatening that. So there's this fear because you look at the very end that because of this, they're going to try to kill him. Right. And what's under yeah. a, a violent anger is usually fear, a really strong fear. Um, so yeah, I, I think it had twisted it had twisted the the goodness of the command to keep the Sabbath into um, rules and regulations, and then you get stuck in those, and you miss you've missed the command, which is life and health and, and yeah, you miss the point. And I, yeah, if you picture that, if you kind of picture being there or being a witness to it, you get the sense of you know the Pharisees sort of greedily hoping for some reason to find so they could go kill Jesus and they kind of manufacture a situation to get that reason. And then they go, go want to go plan to kill Jesus mm -hmm. all in the name mm. of righteousness, mm -hmm. keeping the law. Right. Yep. Um, and it shows, I think how deep you can kind of get into your own bubble. Like you're not even really, there's no perspective at all. Um, there's nobody that says, huh, wait a minute here, you know, maybe, right. Maybe there's another way to think about this. Um, and you know, one of the things about our moment, I will, I'll say things that people, you know, our vast audience won't, uh, <laughs> like probably, uh, or only very few of them. 
Because I do think part of the whole legalism thing is a tribal thing as well, that it's an us and them. You know, if he's not one of us, he's one of them, and then must be destroyed. Um, you know, I don't know what it's like there. There's a couple of churches around here that are being fairly political in some of their messaging leading up to the election, right after the election. Uh, and I think it's an interesting, you know, I think there are people who want the church to stand up and be heard with respect to basically who to vote for or who not mm-hmm. to vote for mm-hmm. or the political party's platform or the opposite political party's pa- platform. And for me, I think that's not unimportant but it's sort of an exercise in missing the point if coming together uh at a church service is about this remembering this connection to the to the bigger reality then it seems like a political emphasis sort of defeats that whole purpose and accomplishes a lot of bad things that will end up dividing people. Uh, You know, that we're not, we don't come together to decide who to vote for. We don't come together to decide what our political position is to be. We come together, as important as those things might be, we come together for something way more important than that. We come together for a bigger story. We come together for the eternal. We come together to be transformed, we come together to be a community, a community of called out and transformed ones. Uh, and in fact, the challenge is, can we be a community in living in the bigger story, even as some of us vote one way and some of us vote the other way? Um, that seems to me to be, I mean, I think there are a number of reasons why it's unwise to be overtly political uh, in church. But I think mostly it's just an exercise in missing the point. Like that's not churches for something bigger than that. And I think one of the mistakes of our culture is to elevate the political to the, to the absolute most important thing. It's life and death, this election, everything hangs on it where the big story does not hang on it. And we're, you know, Whatever happens with the law regarding, let's say, abortion, we're called to care for those young women in crisis pregnancies and to support those who want to adopt or foster or whatever. Like, that's our calling no matter what. And that's hard enough. And uh, that should demand all of our church's attention. And then however you want to vote, um, that's another thing too, but it's not, it's not this thing. I don't know if that makes any sense, but that's sort of where my mind is as I'm what's going on here as I'm thinking about missing the point. I think it's one of the ways in which we're missing the point now. Yeah, I think so too. Uh, I, I think, um, I think we here at least in Mount Horeb, there may be some other churches I haven't tuned into, but have tried to be because we're large staff, similar to Calvary, large church. So you're, the, the, the recognition that you are going to have people all across the political spectrum as a part of your community and your staff has to be in the forefront of your mind as you come together. So, uh, yeah, to say it uh, one way, when you 
when you come to worship, church should be transpolitical. It should transcend something uh, and it should connect you to a larger meta narrative. Not that um, obliviates, so to speak, the political realm, but it puts it in its proper place alongside other forms of daily life for humanity, um, the way we order and the way we structure things, um, uh, but also journalism and all of these other things that we, you know, our arts, education, it puts it in its proper place to say, well, this is part of that. And this is not, this is not the ultimate. Um, but I think, so I, to me, the worship service, the teaching, um, it should be transcendent of all mm-hmm. of these things and yet include them, but transcend them. And that's the danger when it doesn't transcend and include, you're going to elevate one of those things. And then usually if you elevate something that's penultimate, you're going to exclude all the other things to some degree because yeah. it is tribalism. It, it is. is. And I think, I think the tribalism is experienced in a, some, in a pretty similar way to what's happening in this passage in some sense it's you know the external circumstances are completely different but there's this false standard of righteousness where i think in the political realm right now there's a false standard of righteousness Mm -hmm. that you know if you're righteous you vote this way and you don't vote you know you vote against this and i almost feel like i've seen i've seen among church members here this sort of same I'm going to post this political post and I'm going to wait to see how you react. Are you going to, what, you know, you're going to take the bait and then I'm going to jump in and look for ways to kill you metaphorically uh, on social media. And it's this sense, this false sense of righteousness that, um, that it's, you know, if you take a step back and say, this is very divisive and uncharitable and ungracious and you were doing it all in the name of righteousness. Like at some point we have to realize we've missed the point here. Yeah. I didn't, I didn't make that connection. But I do think that's a really strong connection to social media and to the, the tone of uh, uh, how, how conversations go. It is kind of uh, for the most part, I'm just going to test you, but really my testing is to, uh, expose that you're, I'm not for you and you're not mm-hmm. for me and I'm against you. And I, and I know this maybe sound elementary or maybe sound too, you know, churchy, but the question of what is our motive um, to me seems to be a, a telling simple, but really profound question. Well, why, why, why am I doing this? Right. And what do I want to happen? And is that, is that really the outcome I want? Is that really the outcome that honors the other person? Is that really the outcome that honors God? And maybe we just don't care anymore, honestly. Maybe we're like, I'm tired of asking that question. I want to hurt somebody. Mm-hmm. I, want, I, I want to make somebody pay. You know, they're going to pay. And I want to win something. I want yeah. to win. Maybe maybe people are, we've, we've gotten, um, we've lost the point. And so then we come to the place of, uh, we're just going to have to go on the attack. Maybe, yeah. the, maybe the powerlessness, powerful conversation here. 
pandemic makes you feel a sense of powerlessness. There's now government regulations, which we haven't quite had to experience in our lifetime. So we feel even more powerless. So we're looking for power. And what am I going to do? I'm going to have power over that person. This makes me feel powerful. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, maybe so. I think that's, you know, there's probably something there that I've lost control. I don't have control in my life and I want to reclaim it in, uh, in some way. Um, yeah. And I think that's the, um, the times in which we live, uh, we talked about yesterday, you know, this, the past, one of the passages I talked about was, you know, do everything without, uh, grumbling or complaining, uh, and show yourself to be children of God. And so you'll shine like stars among them. And I think this is a good time for us to, you know, if we practice grace and charity and we don't impugn motives and we seek the good of others, boy, that'll be different. (laughs) I mean, that will seem different. Um, Because if you think about the Pharisees here, there's this guy with this withered hand or whatever it is, injured hand, whatever. So there's a man who's suffering and he's just a prop for them. He's, he's a prop in the point that they're trying to make. They're trying to trap Jesus so they can kill him. That's their motive. They want the man to be healed but not at all for the man to be healed. I mean, that's not even the point. The point is I want to trick Jesus into healing him today so we can kill him. Mm. Uh, and it's okay. At some point it, 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 when you're sitting on the outside looking in, you think, well, you think somebody would scratch their head and go, okay, wait, made a, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Yeah. I think this train got a little too far down the tracks, but when we're in the middle of it, we feel so righteous. It's hard to, it, we don't, we, we feel so righteous. It's hard to scratch our heads and say, Hey, wait a minute. Hmm. Um, I, you know, I did, there was this, uh, this exercise as I was thinking about this, that, uh, that I ran across just this question. Uh, you know, what does it feel like to be wrong? Um, and, you know, but the, the standard answers you get is it feels, you know, it feels, um, you know, it can feel embarrassing. Uh, there's some level of shame, um, to be wrong. Uh, uh, you know, maybe there's some level of humiliation or something. Um, and, you know, as you're thinking about that question, the twist in it is, that's actually not what it feels like to be wrong. That's what it feels like when you find out you're wrong. (laughs) The rest of the time, it feels like you're right. Mm -hmm. And you feel you're completely wrong, but you feel completely righteous. Mm -hmm. And that's sort of the point is that's sort of our normal state of affairs in some area of life where we're, we're wrong and and feel good about it. Mm -hmm. Um, Right. And that's the question uh, in what area of my life am I wrong and feel good about it. Uh, and it seems why, like it's probably obvious to everyone else watching yeah, yeah, me. Right. That's right. Yeah, that's the point of it. It's like, I, I'm the only one who's missing it here. Uh, or I'm one of the few people who are missing it here. Or me and the people in my tribe are the ones that are going to miss it. And other people are like, man, he's kind of being angry. 
you know, that's, you know, uncharitable, unkind, accusatory, divisive. Um, and, and he or she feels really good about it. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Right. Mm -hmm. Um, and back to the Sabbath thing, it's almost like we need some sort of rhythm or ritual that takes us out of the rapids of the pandemic of life of our, you know, trying to gain control or trying to manage things to get some sort of perspective so that we can notice, yeah, it was pretty messed up. And without that, I think that's one of the reasons for the Sabbath for remembering. I mean, without that, we'll, we won't remember. We won't notice. We're just going to keep going. Right. Yeah. And one of the things that helps us is there's other people alongside of us that are doing the same thing. And we're both wrong together. And we, I feel good about it. I help you feel good about it. You feel good about it. You help me feel good about it. Because Chad's also wrong in the same way. Uh, of course, we don't feel that way. We feel we're both right. And it, it's proof that I'm right that you're also with me. Exactly. <laughs> I, feel like right? there's a, I feel like there's a word for that, whatever that is. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's sort of how the tribalism works out, sort of why we like it. Like, who's who are my people? once you know who your people are, you kind of have to defend and agree with your people against the other people who are bad that, you know, and so you can feel righteous about attacking them or whatever. Um, so I don't know. I think that during, I mean, we've got another, I don't know, five, six months of this. <laughs> and yeah, at this point, I just hope you're right on that one. <laughs> yeah. Right. right. At least we have five or six months at least. And we're in a completely divisive, divisive political season and people are on edge and, you know, the economy is going to struggle in different places. And if we in the church can't be transformative, can't be connecting to the big story, you know, can't shine like stars, then we're, we're sort of in trouble and we're sort of missing the point here. Um, Maybe that's where I'm, you know, the bow I'm trying to put on it. Um, so I don't know. I think, um, you know, maybe another way to ask the question is what sets us apart as God's people? What actually sets us apart and what should set us apart as God's people? So how would you answer that? I mean, what should set us apart as God's people? Uh, uh, well, I mean, I think like you've mentioned, uh, being charitable, being understanding, recognizing that maybe whatever flaw we see in somebody else or in some leader is probably very present in me first. That's the reason I'm so attuned to it in somebody else. It's working its way in me. So um, I was also thinking about, you know, it's almost like being in an argument in the heat of an argument. um, You're so convinced you're right you're so convinced they're wrong and you're just going to continue to drive your point home until something gives or someone gives or you give and someone starts to try to hear the other side. Okay. Well, I understand. Okay. Well, maybe, yeah. Okay. I'm mm-hmm. sorry about that. Mm-hmm. Sometimes though, there's a conversation after that conversation and 
it's where everything's cooled down and all the senses, all, all your kind of defenses have cooled down and you're, you're a little bit more level about the conversation. You start to reflect on, okay, I can own some of the, to me, part of, part of me wonders for the church, what is the conversation going to sound like after the pandemic mm-hmm. conversation? And what do we want it to sound like? Yeah. Have we reflected on what type of argument, so to speak, we're having now and what will we need to repent yeah, you know, after the conversation, well, we need to yeah. say, you know what? I don't think we handled that well. Sorry. Um, maybe we will, um, but maybe we can also think about it. Maybe that future anticipated conversation can inform our life and and the way we're handling it now, so to speak. Yeah, I think that's a good way of looking at it or thinking about it. Um, you know, if we are being tribal, combative, defensive, uncharitable in this season, um, what brings us back and reunites us and what, you know, let's not build a giant account of things we're going to have to repent from in order to reunite with and get back on mission with, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. um, with God's people. Um, and, you know, again, probably it's revealing stuff that was always there. Uh, but there can be a good uh, outcome would be it's revealed and we experience it and we experience some of the ugliness of it. Uh, on the way to redemption, you know, on the way to then renouncing it, repenting, uh, seeking reconciliation, all of these things, um, you know, that we are to be the ministers of reconciliation uh, and, you know, what that should look like uh, in us. And so, yeah, maybe that's kind of where we can leave it is um, remember, reconnect to the big story uh, get some perspective. Um, don't be building up a huge account of things that you'll have to, you know, backtrack from in order to live in harmony with your brother and sister in Christ and, um, kind of resist the pull of, of this tribalism, of this legalism, of this false righteousness, because there is a pull to it. I mean, if there's something attractive to it, um, and, uh, to walk in grace. So we'll leave it there. Uh, grace peace everyone thanks for listening to rogue table talks a calvary church media productions podcast be sure to subscribe and leave a review wherever you listen to podcasts